The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein. And Jack Hartle. Well, good morning. Welcome back to the show about money. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's called Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Jack Hartle, co-host of the show, Portfolio Manager as well. Uh, we help people just like you with money. Um, everything and anything to do with money. Multiple markets, multiple type of accounts, multiple individuals, multiple everything. Uh, the world is complex and, uh, well, uh, we take this complex tax and uh, take care of it for people and simplify it uh, at the same time. And I'm a big believer in simplicity. Uh, I had an individual in my office recently and uh, multiple pieces of real estate, multiple pieces of debt, uh, and a small business owner, and as such, having to pay higher rates of interest uh, for their mortgages. In fact, coming from a third party, a traditional bank wouldn't lend them money. Uh, and the situation just turns chaotic and uh, complex and as such uh, causes unease. Uh, we don't want unease. I'm a big believer in simplicity. Less is more. Uh, throughout life, I, I, I don't know where to begin and end with this concept. Um, again, if you want to become wealthy, it's not that difficult. And it all begins with you have to make some money and you have to be able to hang on to it, which means you've got to resist temptation of spending Spending that money. It is so important. You cannot become wealthy if you continuously spend everything you make. Plainly, I can't help you. Uh, if you can help yourself by keeping some of the money back, then we can help you build wealth. And um, tried and true methods, dollar cost averaging, consistently saving, tried and true methods, guaranteed outcomes. Isn't that what we want? High probable outcomes. Um, and part of a high probable outcomes is be willing to adapt and change, uh, and the world is ever-changing. Um, you know, once automotive stocks were hot, then they went cold, unless you're Tesla, which uh, reinvigorated the automotive sector, sort of. Uh, it's incredible that one company, Tesla, is now the size of General, um, General Motors and Ford combined and continue to eclipse uh, such a valuation. Uh, it's incredible. The company, in fact, is now f- forecasted to make a profit. Um, I don't even think it's a car company. It really is a tech company. And, uh, you know, getting involved in uh, driverless technology and uh 5G uh, technology. Uh, it, it's really looking for, and that's all part of successful investing as well. Part of what we do here at Canaccord, and uh, last week we hosted an artificial intelligence seminar. Uh, we brought in some of the um, uh, latest and greatest and um, uh, early adopters uh, and innovators, I should say, uh, in the space of artificial intelligence. And it was remarkable to see a few school children participate in school projects applying high-end technology with Lego sets. Absolutely remarkable, using sensors uh, to read black and white, how to keep a car on the road in a very simplistic fashion. Um, but uh, one of my best friends at Tacanacord is an analyst. His name is Rob Young. Uh, full of color, uh, full of energy, uh, full of insight and foresight. Uh, and as such, he focuses on the tech space. Rob's been on the show frequently. Uh, Rob Young, I want to thank you very kindly for joining us this morning uh, on Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show Great for to the, be here. It's a show for the listeners. It's, it's a show to help the listeners grasp concepts and build wealth. It's, it's all about building wealth for our listeners. Um, so... 
The world of tech is fascinating. It really, really is. Uh, semiconductors have now been positioned, Rob, as the new transports. Um, back in the day of the, the, the Dow Jones being created as an index, they divided into industrial companies that made things and transport companies that moved things. And they both had to work in sync for the bull market to be confirmed, and i.e. along comes what was called Dow theory. Um, for the last six months or so, this new concept has emerged that uh, gone are the transport stocks. They're not relevant anymore anymore from shipping stocks to rail stocks to trucking stocks, not nearly as relevant moving goods around as it is to move zeros and ones. And that's where the semis come in. Uh, the semiconductors uh, allow rapid transmission of zeros and ones. That's right. Um, Software's eating the world, they say. Well, it's remarkable. And again, I bumped into an individual who's a lawyer. Um, he was actually on our show, Jack. Um, um, oh, uh, the, the, the lawyer for uh, e-gaming. Uh, work with me. Oh, Evan Cubes. Evan Cubes. And he actually launched a website. This lawyer, who's also a an agent in the eSports field, launched a website because one didn't exist for quantum computing. Um, and again, I'm sure you're discussing with a lot of your clients about the, the upcoming uh, uh, advances in quantum computing. Sure. Um, so some great I, companies in Canada around quantum. You could arguably some of the, the fundamental research... Uh, here, a company in Vancouver, D-Wave, run by uh, or started by Jordy Rose. I think Jordy Rose is still one of the biggest patent holders in quantum computing now. So, when Microsoft and Google and uh, and IBM uh, go to market with their products, they're probably going to have to ship a royalty check to Jordy Rose in Vancouver, who's uh, you know one of the fundamental people in the space. So, well, you know, it's been interesting what you just said that they they they're holder of many um, patents. I just got back from a, a little ski jaunt with my daughter to Tremblant, and of course, uh, when you go to Tremblant, you want to stay warm because it's a cold place to ski. Except we got a bit of a warm spell, thank goodness. Uh, so as individuals get on the gondola, of course, I always strike up a conversation. And uh, one individual got on the gondola uh, and asked him where he was from. He said he was from Russia, and I immediately thought of some kind of a nuclear scientist. And uh, so I asked him what he did for a living, and he said he's a patent agent mm. um, and I said patent agent that's interesting you're not a lawyer he said no I'm actually a physicist I said that makes sense to me um, and he uh, went on to say that no patent uh, being a patent agent is, is hot because he's doing a lot of work right now in artificial intelligence and I said oh isn't mm. that interesting because we just had a, an AI conference and of course Rob Young was going to be on my radio show uh, following the conference to talk about uh, what he has learned uh, with respect to artificial intelligence you know as a father it does frighten me Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pure ignorance, but artificial intelligence and robots frighten me because I have children who have to enter the workforce one day. And these notions of being put out of a job due to technology, it's a right. real, right. Per, 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 perhaps unfounded, but it's a real fear oh, it's, amongst it's definitely individuals. A worry. Yeah. So look, uh, we're going to get to Rob Young, uh, learn more about the uh, artificial intelligence conference that Can Accord hosted. And Rob, of course, was uh, one of our uh, guest hosts as well, uh, who worked the room very, very effectively. More Hi-Fi Radio, show about money on the Global News Radio Network. 640 Toronto, right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There you go, a little uh, Daft Punk. As we get set to talk about artificial intelligence uh, with our analyst, Rob Young from Canaccord Genuity. Uh, so, Rob, uh, share with the class 
um, the highlights uh, from the conference. Uh, how, how many companies did you uh, watch present and, and what really stood out for you as a potential game changer that we need to know about right here, right now? Well, we had uh, five panels. We had a keynote from uh, Microsoft, uh, their national technology officer, John Wegelt, came in and had a, a, a lively discussion with us. Uh, I'd say 20 companies, some public, uh, Docebo, which was recent IPO, Canaxis, Patriot One. Uh, our Air Canada was there talking about their uh, using AI for cargo. Uh, Manulife was there talking about how they use it for underwriting. A lot of really interesting applications for this technology. Um, of course, uh, Manulife also uses it for, I think, KYC and, you know, money laundering detection, fraud detection, that sort of thing. The banks use, you know, variations of the technology for that. So there's definitely lots of ways that these companies use it. I mean, lots of things to learn about this space because it's really bubbling up. It's, it's, a, it's a nascent space. It's growing really fast. People don't know how to, t- how to, how to, how to use it, how to, how to invest in it. There's not a lot of pure companies uh, that are out there to invest in. If I would say there's a, a big takeaway that I took away from the conference is that, that there are models that are starting to emerge to manage this. So like you said, you're afraid for your children. But I mean, one of the things Microsoft said there is that they are not going to help clients that are going to use artificial intelligence for nefarious means. They're going to put effort to put governance models around these uh, artificial intelligence models. They're going to search out and find and remove bias. So, you know, recruiting tools don't highlight one color of person over another. Um, they're going to do a lot of work around transparency. Transparency was a, was a, um, uh, a theme across a number of the panels from a lot of different companies. If you think about uh, transparency of how AI works, if you go to the hospital, and instead of a doctor, a computer does a diagnosis and, you know, it's just a computer and it spits out a, an answer. Maybe you want to know how it got to that answer. And so artificial intelligence software is starting to look at transparency and explainability so that you can understand the components of the decision so that a trained doctor can look at what the computer is saying and put some context and hopefully avoid that corner case where it makes a mistake and, you know, help people feel a little more confident in the decisions these computers are going to increasingly make on our behalf. Um, so, I mean, that would be the biggest takeaway aside from the fact that Canada has some amazing companies in the space that are growing very fast and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, uh, not so much opportunity for people in the public market yet. Hopefully that'll change. So again, give, give us something that, that is more granular than that, Rob, that, that was a real good takeaway uh, that you see it has legs. Um, okay, well, I'll give you an, a company, a specific company that talked a little bit about um, deploying AI, uh, Canaxis, a company that we watch, love the company, um, have been, were part of the IPO years ago. And, and again, sorry, Canaxis is a supply chain management software company. Exactly. So, so it allows you to know exactly where everything is, just-in-time inventory, efficiency upon efficiency. That's right. So KXS and is Canadian, the ticker, Canadian, 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 Canadian out of Ottawa. Company, but, but Fortune 500 customers, correct? That's right. Some of the biggest companies in the world, the biggest supply chains in the world are using Canaxis to optimize their supply chain. Mm-hmm. If you think about the world over the last 10 years, you've got Amazon making things faster, weather making things more complex, more products, faster pr- uh, product cycles. A lot of things are making things so complex for companies. They need software to help manage that complexity. And Canaxis out of Ottawa is one of those companies that help the guy who's running the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Hard job if you work for you know, one of the car companies or if you work for Apple or something like that. And so Canaxis is one of the companies that help companies. Apple doesn't use it actually, but uh, Ford, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of really large companies that use it for their supply chains. So talk about Microsoft. Uh, they, they did a lunch. 
they hosted lunch. Uh, yeah. Jack and I couldn't get in. It was so busy. Uh, so uh, please, uh, why the big crowd? Yeah, well, it's interesting to hear what Microsoft has to say. They're one of the biggest technology companies on the planet. The stock has been doing tremendously well recently. Yeah, it's in the trillion dollar club. Under, yeah, Satya Nadella. Yeah, exactly. Joining the uh, the four comma club, as they say, uh, for those of you who watch Silicon Valley. The um, uh, He had a lot of interesting things to say about what Microsoft specifically was doing in the space, but also, you know, just talking about how vibrant this uh, economy in Canada is. From, you know, sea to shining sea, there's con- uh, companies all over Canada that are deploying AI, looking at AI, companies that are developing, um, you know, uh, applications of AI. It's a really vibrant, you know, um, ecosystem that we're developing. So, so Rob, uh, AI, the fact that artificial intelligence uh, really has, I don't know, it's come to fruition, but it's really started to expand in the last, call it five years. And that's because of, I think, one of the key components, and that's the availability of data. Going forward, where are these data points going to be coming from? And obviously, the analysis of the data is important for AI as well. How do you see the, the data evolving to us be able to anal- uh, analyze it better so that we can come up with whatever decision-making process is most effective, whether it's in automotive, logistics, or healthcare? Yeah, so uh, the byline on that is that data is the new oil. It's the uh, the energy that's going to make the systems of the future run. Um, so, I mean, if you have a lot of data, then you have a lot of the... Uh, the raw input that these uh, AI processes can use to provide meaningful answers. So uh, if you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, artificial intelligence or the things that it's based on now, they aren't really new concepts, but you know, computing has gotten faster, storage and memory has gotten deeper, and we have way, way more data now. Everything is connected. There's lots of sensors all over the world. We have history of data. And so all of this is coming together. And then there's companies who have proprietary data that they can use, you know, for their own benefit. There's lots of data sources that you like, for example, weather that everybody can use. And all of that data coming together, you can use for artificial intelligence. And every year we're creating more and more data. Every year, these artificial intelligence algorithms are getting better and better and better. To use a great example, it's the voice recognition. If you have Alexa or if you have Google Home, um, the recognition of your voice today is so much better than it was even a year ago and two years ago and three years ago because the algorithms are getting better because they have more data. They hear more voices, they understand more patterns and they get better and better and better. And so that's how data sort of, it's like a flywheel. As a flywheel spins up, it gets faster and better. Um, yeah, look, coming out of the break, I'm, I want to speak to you about um, uh, the press uh, theory cycle uh, that, that uh, you were speaking to Jack about uh, which, with its four phases from the eruption phase, the frenzy phase, the synergy phase, and the maturity uh, phase. And I say that because one of my neighbors works for Open Tax, and he personally thinks that uh, artificial intelligence is a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Uh, so I want you to uh, demit that uh, statement. Uh, right here on Hi-Fi Radio, we have Rob Youngin. He's an analyst at Canaccord, specializing in technology, uh, just coming out of a conference that we hosted in artificial intelligence. Ooh, it is so futuristic, and yet it is here right now. You stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a money show. It's my money show. I give it to you. Uh, really, I, I'm here to help you. I want to help you. 
Um, it's free. Just, uh, spend some time with us, uh, and uh, I, I know you will learn something. Uh, and at the end of the day, we have to apply uh, what we learn, uh, or else it's just education. And I, I cannot stress the importance enough of uh, learning to save money. Uh, you cannot save too much money, uh, but you can certainly spend too much. And we know that we as Canadians are in too much debt. We are overextended. Um, yeah, maybe that uh, debt is backed up by some assets, but uh, eventually uh, that debt must get paid. And uh, you must be very much aware of that. Uh, simplicity, uh, less is more, uh, own producing assets, uh, continue to stay on program and do so for decades. You have to extend your time horizon to be successful at this game. It doesn't happen overnight. Six months, two years, irrelevant. Decades upon decades, then you will be wealthy and then you can give back to the world uh, and you can do so along the way as well. Uh, but we are here to learn about the future and yes, uh, a little Smith's how soon is now because now comes so quick and uh, there is a, a theory called Prez Theory speaking about cycles lasting some 50 to 60 years uh, broken out into four phases. Rob Young, known better to explain uh, Prez cycle uh, than Rob Young. So please share with us um, the importance of this theory because before you go into it, the, the notion of, of computing chips with Moore's Law doubling, what, 18 months and becoming 50% the size, it seems to have run its course. Where are we going from here? Well, so the Prez cycle, I, I think of it in two phases, and uh, I think it's an interesting model to understand how bubbles form and how new technology uh, becomes uh, ubiquitous. I mean, great example would be uh, my experience. My career started at Nortel, and through that period, we were building... Uh, enormous amounts of fiber all over the world. And uh, we spent, uh, a, a pe- company spent enormous amounts of money. Nortel went bankrupt. Uh, we're still trying to use up all the fiber that was put out there. And so that's the first phase of the, the Perez and cycle. And pensioners lost their money. And a lot of people, not just pensioners, a lot of people lost their money. Um, so in the first phase of the cycle, you have a infrastructure building phase where an enormous amount of capital enters and an enormous amount of infrastructure is built. It's usually overbuilt because people get too excited. They get too far ahead of themselves. And then eventually it forms a bubble. The bubble bursts. Sounds like, so, pot. Sounds like pot. Well, I don't know anything about pot. but uh, two th- A good example <laughs> is Bitcoin as well recently, right? Uh, sure. Bitcoin gets introduced to the market. People realize that there's great opportunity with this new technology. They talk about the, the ledger and all this stuff, how many different applications that it can have. And you start to extract and... Um, discount well into the future the potential for this but at some point it still has to get developed and implemented correct and students were students were uh, paying for their rent by using their landlord's electricity right so so investor behavior totally yeah absolutely the rails the the rails all of the uh, the national rail line was built that way there are hundreds of uh, of rail lines hundreds right then the autos there are hundreds of auto manufacturers and all of that blew up and we ended up with three or four not many search engines eh were launched and only one survived how many search search engines no no wait Back up, yeah. back up. So that's the example I was giving before is you know, Nortel and others were building enormous amounts of fiber and interconnect when the web was being built. Then everything blew up. But then what got built on top of it? Mm-hmm. Google, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, all of these applications that sit on top of that structure mm-hmm. that was built in the bubble that formed, you know, around 1999, 2000 with all these tech companies were valued on crazy, yep. uh, you know, metrics. Yep. And uh, people New got math. ahead of hey, themselves. Jack? Enormous amounts of capital uh, rushed in. A lot of infrastructure was built. That infrastructure is all that fiber network, all of the, you know, telecommunications outside plant that we have all over. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, now we have all of these great applications. 
So and that sort of takes us that's through the second phase. I say that takes us through the frenzy phase and then yeah. on to the, the third one, which is the synergy phase. So maybe you go through that for us. Yeah, so I would say that the synergy phase is when these applications are created. So the synergy phase would have been maybe over the last 10 years, the formation of Facebook, the formation of you know Google. There was a lot of different search engines. You know, Google won that battle. Um, and then the maturity phase is you know, going forward, the internet is now a fundamental part of our life. When I was a kid, it, it, it wasn't very cool if you hung out on the internet. Now, everyone lives on the internet. You know, it's incredible because the telephone was in the mature phase of its life cycle. And somehow it did a fantastic pivot, eh? And mm-hmm. I don't know who we think. Do we thank do we thank BlackBerry for that? Do we thank um, Steve Steve Jobs for that? Who do you thank for that? Maybe we thank both of them for it, eh? Oh, you mean the wireless phone, like well, the yeah, mobile the, phone? The, again, I'm going to date myself here, but in, in traveling to Tromblant, I used to go Montreal and then north to Tromblant. With, with, with Google Maps, I'm able to now go through Ottawa and all the back yeah. the back roads. Uh, with, with, with pinpoint well, accuracy, it's, 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 ama- it's amazing how you rely on this tool. And if, as sure. long as it doesn't let us down and drive me into the bush. Imagine living without it. So difficult, eh? But it Motorola. shows you as an investor. It shows you an investor, Wolf. You don't have to be the first, right? You don't have yeah. to invent the technology. You could argue that BlackBerry invented the smartphone. It was Apple that really... BlackBerry did well for a long period of time, and people thought they were never going to get disrupted, but it was really Apple that took it to the next level, and Samsung that, you know, for an investor, I'd certainly rather own... Apple as opposed to Blackberries uh, sure. at this phase in the cycle. And I keep thinking about the Sony Walkman, how they dropped yeah. that ball. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network. Rob Young, uh, our analyst with Canaccord Genuity, uh, helping us on the concept of artificial intelligence and really anything to do with tech. Uh, Rob, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Done already? It's so quick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How soon is now, eh? Um, coming up next, we're going to bring the competition in. Because if you don't like Jack and I, well, I hope you get to someone you do like, perhaps. Uh, but again, it's all about you and helping you become wealthy and helping you manage your money over decades. It's a process, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's less uh, than pleasant. But you must stick with a plan. I promise you, there's a rainbow at the end of that sky. You listen to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. More of it right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, I was uh, skiing with my daughter at uh, Montablanc, and uh, the place was dead. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of uh, this week, and it was quiet. It was wonderful. End of January, no one, uh, no one skiing the end of January. I guess they're paying off their Christmas bills. The best time to go away uh, when everyone else doesn't go away. Um, place was to ourselves, and uh, sat in a great little restaurant, had a wonderful dinner right by the uh, chef, which, of course, I like to hang with the chef and learn something. Of course, he spoke nothing but fluent French, and uh, so I had to hack my way uh, through... Uh, God knows what, but I managed to. And uh, I managed to get them to uh, change the tunes. They were playing some bad tunes. They were playing all Canadian tunes. I want to hear some Quebecois, some French music. And I'm surprised the French police aren't all over this because the French police in Quebec are fierce. Uh, a friend of mine owns a business, and uh, even internal memos, internal signage must be in French. But on the skill, they can play music, and it's uh, Canadian music as we know it. Anyways, he, he uh, put that song on for me, and I loved it. I just have to give it to you, my good friends, this morning. I digress, but it's important. Uh, you know, let's get the... 
Elias uh, get the hits set up. Uh, we got uh, the competition in today, sort of um, friendly competition um, <clears throat> from Mandeville private client wealth management. Uh, we have the chief investment officer. His name is Raymond Sawicki. Uh, he's also a senior vice president. Um, Mandeville is a uh, brokerage firm, so to speak, wealth management firm uh, run by a gentleman named uh, Michael Lee Chin. Very, very highly successful, uh, well-recognized uh, Canadian. Uh, has been on Bay Street for decades and has built a very, very successful practices and uh, launched his own company called Mandeville uh, a few years ago. I see him at the Wealth Professional awards each and every year, which, by the way, uh, the Wolf on Bay Street made the list uh, again this year, so thank you very kindly for those who voted for me. Um, so, Raymond, uh, share with us, what's the secret sauce at Mandeville? What gets you excited, and why did you want to hang with me? Because, you know, when the competition gets gets together, I may have to pull out the gloves and take a few shots at you. I'm just, for, I'm just forewarning you. And no problem, Wolf. All right. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that uh, when we started this business seven years ago, it was not to create just another brokerage company that uh, did much of the same. It was to promote a very different approach and philosophy for wealth management. And so we asked ourselves, what's the highest value add we can provide our clients? Invariably, the answer to that was make our clients wealthy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't think that uh, any one firm on the street can say that that's uh, necessarily unique, but it's all about... I have, the... I have a monopoly on that. Oh, okay. That's well, all mine. <laughs> maybe it's an oligopoly we have uh, part of all that right. too. But but it's, it's, it's the approach, it's the execution to that that makes us so different. And, um, you know, what that is, is really the inclusion of private and alternative securities inside of a client portfolio. That's, that's the raison d'etre for Mandeville. And that's what gets me excited every morning, Wolf. Is private securities. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I'm finding more and more people right now going into private mortgages. And, and that scares me. Uh, and I'm seeing these private mortgage funds being launched. Uh, and again, when the game's on, everything's fine. Uh, but when I'm seeing private mortgages being offered at, 10, 12, 15, 16%, something is fishy because Jack, I, and Raymond uh, can all borrow money at 2 3%. So how can they pay me 10, 12%, these, these private lenders, uh, and make a profit, which means that they are charging the uh, borrower even higher higher, mm-hmm. what kind of a borrower has to pay 15% mm-hmm. interest per se? Well, I'd like to take a step back because I think, sure. you know, certainly private lending, private mortgages is a very important part of the private markets. But um, really what it comes down to is the philosophy of including alternative securities in a balanced portfolio. So mm-hmm. if you look at um, you look at uh, erudite investors that uh, are very successful in what they do, so the big family office clients, for instance, or the institutions, pension funds, foundations, endowments, how do they actually allocate capital? Mm-hmm. And that's really where it starts with the allocation of capital. And, and I'd suggest from a private client perspective, retail Canadian investors have um, – a, uh, a lack of access to privates, mm-hmm. uh, both from an availability perspective as well as from a regulatory or legal perspective to participate. And so what we wanted to do was change the paradigm in Canada to provide access to that firstly. And you might ask, well, you know, does it make sense for uh, retail investors to participate in these more sophisticated asset classes. And uh, then that gets to the question you asked, you know, is it uh, risky to invest in private mortgages that are yielding 14% or is it, uh, is it appropriate? 
And so I'll, I'll preface this by saying that there's a spectrum of risk in private securities, much like in the public world. So in the public world, you have very uh, low-risk GIC strategies all the way out to uh, venture capital and uh, – Hot stocks. Uh, hot stocks, stuff like pot, that. Pot. Pot stocks, yes, absolutely, pot stocks. But uh, in, the private, in the private world, there's the same breadth of quality. You have a very – uh, sophisticated, riskier strategies that would involve high degrees of illiquidity and and risk. Uh, that could be private equity at one end of the spectrum, but at the other end of the spectrum, private mortgages is something I'd say more benign. It's something that retail investors are familiar with, firstly, mm-hmm. something they can relate to. Mm-hmm. And um, there's various uh, you know managers of those types of strategies that uh, put together pools of capital mm-hmm. that are... Um, I, I would say very, very suitable for that's what the Americans. That's what the Americans did uh, during the housing boom. Just put pools of bonds together, take some bad ones with the good ones, and it all washed out to be a, a single A rating until you know what hits the fan. Um, mm. You listen to Hi Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, six forty in Toronto. Uh, it's my privilege and pleasure to have uh, Raymond Sawicki, and he is the uh, senior uh, vice president, chief investment officer with Mandeville Private Wealth. Um, he's speaking about uh, private equity and uh, differentiating his firm by offering you something just a little unique and alternative. Uh, please, more of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. A little alt rock for you. Yes, I'm dating myself. Uh, of course, I used to work at a very cool radio station, CFNY. Once the spirit of radio and then the edge, and uh, it progressed. And uh, yes, loaded with alt rock. So alternatives, I'm familiar with that from a music point of view. Uh, I'm pretty boring uh, when it comes to investing. It's hard to believe because I'm a bit of a colorful looking kind of a character. But uh, when it comes to uh, investing money, I'm a very, very boring guy. Uh, we have Raymond uh, Sawicki in studio. He's a senior vice president and the chief investment officer with the Mandeville Private Wealth. And he, he's here to talk to us about how his firm differentiates uh, itself uh, when sitting in front of you, uh, and as you are in the process of interviewing uh, various advisors, um, part of their ballywick is to offer you some alternative investments, um, which Jack and I don't spend a whole lot of time um, with. We, 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 we've gone to a number of presentations on various products that are being created. Um, we've seen a number of privates come through our office, but it's really not the area I want to go to. I like liquidity. I like information flow. Uh, I like mark-to-market. That's mm-hmm. what I like. That, that's just who I am. It doesn't mean private doesn't make sense for a lot of individuals. And um, I remember Richardson Partners, uh, they were very big when they when they launched um, and, and, and going to the private space. Again, I can't say I gave them a lot of legs in the marketplace, but you never know. Maybe it'll work for you guys. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, how institutional investors invest, and you look at their portfolios, is it necessarily that all of their portfolios are exclusively invested in public securities, Wolf? And I think you know the answer to that. Mm. We've seen this. You know, CPP's got a big position in it. Uh, Brookfield. One one of the big issues that we see, Wolf, one of the big issues we see, though, for retail investors, and maybe it's we're seeing some of the unsophisticated real estate or uh, um, retail investors, is the fact that they really don't know what they're buying. 
mm-hmm. and they really don't understand the risks that they're taking. They think that the price, because it doesn't move, because it's not mark to mark, that it's, there's no risk in it. And there certainly is risk in those types of assets, even if they are mortgages. And like Wolfgang said, we saw someone that came into our office just this past week. They were talking about a 14% mortgage and they thought it was no risk to it. Turns out it wasn't a, a home mortgage. It was a building and development type mortgages. So two different kettles of fish there. And like I said, the investor did not understand what he was investing in and it was uh, not suitable for him in any way. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to that? Because well, well, you've hit a very important topic. I think when you, you look at the distinction between public securities and private securities, on the private side, there's far less transparency mm-hmm. in terms of what goes into these products. Right. I think it's um, it's a fallacy that categorically one could say that private investments are riskier than public securities. There's just as much diversity and risk in uh, the public sphere, in this public world, as there is in the private world. And so you have to understand the underlying investment. And that's why we always suggest that it's important to work with a professional who understands the asset class, who with, understands with, with, the products. Without question, again, we just had Rob Young and I, Rob Young in our studio, and Canaccord just hosted an artificial intelligence conference and jack how many of those companies were in fact private um i would think there's still yeah at least 50 percent of the companies that came through our office for a presentation on artificial intelligence were private companies and of course they had money behind them capital behind them uh, so someone has been investing with them to bring them to where they are today and again miller waste a company that jack's been talking to me about for some time uh because of the was a gfl uh the the, the canadian waste management sure. company yes. has done a remarkable job expanding now into the construction business as i walk to the studio every day jack and i now see backhoes and 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 very various uh, pieces of capital that are also GFL. And Jackson, you keep an eye on that Miller company. There's another company, a private company that's just doing incredible. I went to Tremblant skiing and even in La Belle Provence, there was Miller Waste. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of, lot of wealth tied up in these privates. Um, and these privates could now be second, third generation. Perhaps they want some liquidity. And that, I think, perhaps is a great opportunity to get a position in a private if you're welcomed to the banquet hall and that's a whole other story, the, the other point it? is too wolf that companies are staying private a lot longer now than they ever have in the past Big because time. they have access to that capital and ray is in his business you guys are providing a portion right. of that capital to these privates because in right. the past to access growth and capital you actually had to go to the public markets a lot of people don't want to deal with that so they stay private continue to grow and there is potential for, for growth there i'm just saying the point that i would make is anytime you make an investment whether it's the public markets or the private markets you either have to understand yourself or hire a professional that does understand the risks that they're taking. Make sure it's suitable for you. Correct. And so I think uh, that degree of, of advice is, is is even more relevant with privates because there is less public information available. In other words, Jack and I can, through our contact on the street, gather up research on Amazon and on Facebook and on any semiconductor stock from multiple brokerage firms, get multiple views and, and come to a conclusion. In the private sector, that's a little bit more difficult. That's where they really have to lean on your experts, Raymond. Uh, again, we are speaking with Raymond Sosawicki. Um, He's with uh, Mandeville Private Wealth. Um, he's a senior uh, vice president and a chief investment officer. And uh, the company is, well, trying to carve out a niche, shall I say, in private equity. Uh, very, very interesting. Um, and again, not for the faint of heart, but certainly fits in many investors' portfolios if done appropriately. Uh, we're going to go to commercial break and come right back with uh, Raymond Sawicki, Jack Hartle, of course, and Wolfgang Klein right here on the Global News Radio Network at 640 in Toronto. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. It's a show for you to help yourself and help your family and help anyone around you. Uh, money is power, my good friend. And uh, look, if you want to have money, you got to stop spending. You got to slow the spending. You got to slow it down. Yeah, it is so important. to get. I know there's enough money available to you. The question is, are you hanging on to some of it? Are you being tempted by a quick fix of consumption? And, you know, some you're, you're going to lose the uh, the enthusiasm for whatever it is you purchased. Um, just refrain yourself. Refrain from it. You have to refrain from it because you got to put some money aside. you got to manage your taxes. One of the biggest expenses out there is taxes. And that's, again, where I go back to this RSP. It's non-debatable. Every Canadian, with the exception of a business owner, I will make one exception with a business owner, and even then probably 50% should have, 50% needn't have uh, if they're very successful because they'll have their own corporate account. That's fine. But for the average Canadian, every single average Canadian should be maxing out their RSP. Uh, Otherwise, you're just going to give the government unnecessary taxes. Do you like doing that? I don't. I'd rather give it to charity than give it to the government and control where the money goes. Um, But... After you manage to uh, keep some aside and invest it, then the choices are wonderful and they're they're broad. Uh, you come and speak with Jack and I. We're going to put you into public securities, McDonald's and Google and Facebook and Amazon. Pretty boring stuff, sort of. Um, not too many oil stocks, thank goodness, right here, right now. Probably that's a buying signal. Uh, but if you contact Mandeville, they're going to uh, uh, take it a step further and discuss with you, perhaps, if it's appropriate for you, uh, private securities. Uh, one of the key reasons Jack and I avoid privates is one thing we love, we love is liquidity and we loathe illiquidity. Uh, if you buy privates, you got to be able to accept the fact that you won't necessarily be able to sell them uh, on short notice. Uh, no one better to speak to that topic is Raymond uh, Sawicki um, of Mandeville. So please, uh, liquidity, big concern of mine. Wolf, you said that uh, you love liquidity, and I'd suggest there needs to be an alignment of the liquidity of the products to the liquidity needs of your clients. Correct. And so one thing, are you aware that, uh, and I'm sure you are, that when you buy a public security, you're actually paying a premium for that liquidity. And that, per cream, that premium, a cost of purchase, actually erodes the long-term wealth creation process. And so when you kind of look back and you look back, at... Whoa, whoa, back up. whoa, 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 stop the bus. How am I paying a premium when I'm buying a public company? Do you think publics are more expensive than privates? Publics are more expensive. Because hear, I'm hearing that privates have become more expensive than publics. No, actually, to the yeah, contrary. You look, at companies so you, like, look at, you look at companies like WeWork and a lot of the companies that didn't actually go public last year, and it's because privates were more expensive. But uh, to Ray's point, I would make that uh, when you have committed capital... And it's committed for a period of time. There's often opportunities that you don't get in the public markets that you can make outsized returns as long as you don't have you don't have that daily liquidity requirement. So liquidity does come at a cost from time to time. But uh, like we said before, I think it's you have to look at what the opportunity is and make sure that experts make in that decision Ray, for Ray, you. If, if I may, to tantalize me a little bit, if, um, uh, uh, show me some sizzle. So uh, give, give me a couple of good uh, alternatives that you have invested in or recommended to your clients to invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna make it easy. Tell you the good ones that. that, mm-hmm. that, that well, I, I don't on. want to talk to specific investments. We can certainly do that. You know, we would take hours to do that. To be quite honest, just give me, give me one. Yeah. I, I'll give you some publics. Okay. I own Facebook. We own we own Blackstone. We own Carlisle Group. We're we're doing very very well. We we have MSCI. We own Moody's. Okay. So well, one of the five, points. Five, let's, five, let's, stick, let's stick to the real estate space. You you were mentioning real estate, like real estate. Uh, earlier, mm-hmm. and so we were involved in uh, a development project here in Toronto area in Yorkville. Mm-hmm. Uh, to develop a property just north of the Four Seasons called 50 Scholard Street. Mm-hmm. It was a, um, a limited partnership between Lantera Investments and our sister company, asset management company, Portland Investment Council. And it was, um, um, it was made as an opportunity for our clients. 
It was an opportunity for our clients to invest in the development itself of a 42-story condominium development in Yorkville. And so um, you look at that investment versus, say, a public mortgage or uh, other public asset classes. You say, what's the opportunity for returns and what's the risk-adjusted returns for something like that? And I go back to um, my earlier point, and that is that public equivalent investments. So if you had two companies or two projects that were identical, one that traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange as an exchange-listed security and one that was in the private market world, there would be a premium to buy the public investments, all other things being equal you, you, on average. They're usually yes. And because, they're usually yes. And, and, and if I had to quantify what that is, if you're going to go back and look across all different asset classes and strategies, that, uh, that premium for liquidity could be in the nature of 20 to 40%. And so that means the discount on the on the and private, private yeah. investments is the reverse. Yeah. And that's what gives the added juice or amp on the private securities. Now, obviously, the risk on that is if you need the capital, you may not have that available. So I, I think it's very important that one uh, looks at these investments in the context of their individual clients. But how many clients do you know, Wolf, that 100% of their investor capital, they need to have fully liquid. Yeah, for the because most there's part, an opportunity no, no, the, cost to that. Correct, that's very, very there's interesting. There's an opportunity yeah, cost to Because they certainly don't need all of it up front. So, uh, so, Ray, getting to that point, how much of a client's portfolio would you put into privates versus um, marketable securities? Yeah, the, the, there's no there's no rule of thumb, Jack. It's, it's really something that is unique to every client. So sure. with every client that we put into private investments, we go through a liquidity analysis. We look at what their needs of capital are, what the time horizon is, and when they may need to access that capital. And invariably, if you look at... Uh, uh, many uh, normal Canadians, whether they're putting their money into their RSP, whether they're holding money out for the long term, um, there's 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 the ability to hold that money out longer term. And so whether that's in the case of this development project that I previously mentioned, maybe five years to to market, to build, and to sell these projects before you actually monetize those investments and earn that uh, uh, that illiquidity discount, um, it, 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 it's, it's very dependent on every individual client. So you know, I would say that uh, it could run the gamut, anything from zero to 100%. So if you're a high net worth investor and you're looking at intergenerational wealth and you're not actually using that in your life ter- lifetime, it could be theoretically 100% of your capital. Now, that's a very small set of clients. Opposite in the spectrum, it could be a very small number. Um, Raymond Sariki, uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Investment Officer at uh, Mandeville Private client. Uh, I want to thank you very kindly uh, for your time today. Just talk about alternative investments. Uh, folks, uh, I cannot stress the point enough about managing your spending because that, that is the biggest problem to creating wealth. It is as simple as that. Most of us work. It's just that spending part. We can't seem to get under control. If I can help any of you with that, I think I've done my job for the day. Spend less, invest more. You will become wealthy over decades, my friends. That's what it takes if you want the sure thing. I say 25 years. Are you in for the ride? Jack and I are. You contact us anytime, wolfgangkline.com. And if you don't like us, well, you can always call Raymond Sawicki at uh, Mandeville, uh, my alt-rock friend. I want to wish you all a great weekend, and I want to uh, look forward to joining you next weekend right here. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm Wolfgang Klein. You have yourself a great weekend. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.
The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.